Today we're talking to Nick Larson, and he has got a very, very unique story about something that happened to him on Mount Hood, where a rescue had to take place to essentially save his life. So I know Nick, and I had heard his story on a podcast before, and I was quite blown away by it. So I wanted it, wanted him to share it with you guys to make sure that someone else doesn't end up in the same position. That's kind of the theme with some of these episodes here. And I cut out the intro because my audio, my audio just was terrible on this. I mean, it sounds like I am underwater in a wooden box. I don't know what else to tell you. So I spared you from the intro and thankfully most of the episode is Nick recounting his story so we're keeping the episode it's an awesome story he's a very good storyteller but please just excuse my audio and you know you can throw tomatoes at me on social media or something like that but you know don't do don't give the don't give a one-star rating because of it it's just one episode it's just one episode so we're getting better we're getting better and we'll be consistently better so let's get to that and and one of the reasons I contacted Nick was because one, he, he told me about his story once and then he was on a, a, another podcast and I listened to it and I was like, wow, okay, that was crazy. And then also because I had my experience on Mount Hood a couple of weeks ago. And so I really wanted to get another person on here to talk about their story, what they learned, and again, to have people learn from it so it doesn't have to happen to them. So I think that's Sure. a really good point of this whole podcast and, and some yeah. of these episodes, you know, just to help out other people. So where do you want to begin on that, man? Like, <laughs> well, I, I think an important point, you know, to talk about, you know, and, and what I kind of mentioned to you is, is if one person takes away something from this conversation, if one person adds one thing to their pack, or they're, they're a little more hyper-aware, hyper-focused of the safety aspect of, of this climb, then it was all worth it. You know, that's coming full circle. And, you know, for a long time afterwards, I couldn't talk about it. I had a hard time talking about it. And I had a hard time relating to people because they hadn't been through an experience like that. And I remember, you know, just after that, being at work and, um, I was drawing blood at the time, doing some mobile phlebotomy work, and someone just asking me, you know, mundane, simple questions, and I just had a hard time. I was having a lot of anxiety, and I had a hard time just relating and just being relatable to people. So I was just in a in a weird place after this incident. Yeah, it was a very very unique incident for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much did you know about Mount Hood before going on that day? Had you climbed it before? Was that your first climb? <clears throat> Have you been in the area? I know you used to snowboard up there when you were younger. Yeah. So I, I grew up going to High Cascade Snowboard Camp as a kid, um, as a teenager. And that changed my life. The only thing I ever wanted to do after high school was move to Oregon and be able to snowboard year-round. You know? And, and you know, I was climbing... Um, all the other mountains, when I moved out here, I was going through a breakup and the way that I was coping was just doing solo mountaineering, kind of figuring out as I go. And I'll be honest, I was naive. You know, I was, I had the proper safety equipment and I was kind of reading things here and there and I was reading stuff online, but the only way to get experience is to do it right. And to, to fail, right. And to be humbled 
and to listen when you do fail so it doesn't happen again right and um this this was definitely a big wake up call for me yeah because there's a very fine line between with that and especially something like mountaineering right because that yeah. first f up could be game yeah, over yeah you only get one chance yeah and other some people a lot of people don't get another chance and so i think that's so important to talk about it and to get that exactly. knowledge out there exactly exactly so can you describe what led up to this situation on hood yeah how did you end up there what was well, the day like we're coming up on the three-year anniversary in may of uh of this mm -hmm. climb actually mm -hmm. um it was memorial day weekend uh we had just gotten like 12 inches of fresh it was a bluebird day um my original plan had to was just to go up to the Palmer lift and then just ride down. And um, I was staying with a friend um, in rhododendron area. And um, I had told this person, it's like, hey, look, if I'm not back by four o'clock, something's up. If you can't get a hold of me, you need to initiate something. Okay. Uh, maybe I just had some second sense. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I had, I was climbing up. It was a, awesome day i mean it was bluebird i mean there were some inversion clouds you know towards the bottom you know but not kind of knowing and reading the weather the way i was kind of in, supposed to be reading it i didn't think anything of it i didn't think anything of the headwind coming up at me i didn't um foresee the change in wind patterns at all it was all just a beautiful day and as i was climbing up i was feeling so good I was I, I could not get the smile off my face. It was frozen in my face. And I was on these little drift uh, approach skis. So, but they are like little company out of Utah, 2.4 pounds. Um, they have skins on the base of them. And uh, you have your board on your back and you can climb up the skin track. They have risers. I mean, pretty much the same, same type of deal as a split board. Um, really, really like those if you have a quiver of boards. Anyway. Um, so I was climbing up, everything was feeling good. It's like, man, you know, get to the Palmer lift. I'm going to keep going. I've seen my buddies climb up here, you know, a bunch of park rats climb up here, you know, and hoodies and whatever. And they're, you know, granted that's in the summertime and things are a little, a little less intense up there, but so, um, I'm climbing up, you know, and I have all the proper tools. I have my ice axe, I have whippets, you know, shovels, everything like that. And going up through the pearly gates and at this point i'm i'm climbing like it's it's pretty vertical i'm climbing up up this point and that bluebird day drastically changed i mean honestly within the matter of minutes it changed from blue skies to just the the darkest cloudiest i mean being inside of a ping pong ball i mean i couldn't tell up from down down from up you know and so i kind of waited it out I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to make the true summit. I mean, I was, I was so damn close to the summit. I just had to start punching holes down, down climbing and just get to a point where I could just kind of get my senses back together. And just all I needed was a, a 30 second window just to see the direction where I was going. Because being up there in the clear, there's fumaroles everywhere. I mean, there's crevasses. There's, there's all kinds of stuff that you could fall through. And not having, I mean, I couldn't see 
I mean, my hand in front of my face. I mean, that was pretty much it. Um, so I was almost, I was screaming at the, at the mountain, you know, and I guess I should backtrack a little bit too. I hate, my father had passed away, um, about two years prior to this climb, about six years now or so. Um, and I had spread his ashes on Mount Hood. So I had this sense of security, maybe false sense of security that nothing was going to happen to me, you know, and, and it was the last family trip we had all went on was to Mount Hood and he was there. And, um, and I was screaming, I was screaming to him. It was like, help me here. Like, I need help. Like, I'm, con- I'm not trying to freak out, but it's getting to that point. And so time has keep going on. I, I want to say maybe 30 minutes has, has gone by and, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And now it's dumping and it's, it's windy. It's, it's all the things it's rhyming. It's, uh, it was just in, insane. And so I strap on and I start side slipping down and I'm kind of making my way, but then I'll stop. But then I couldn't tell if I will stop. So then I would just start tomahawking, tumbling because the vertigo was so insane. And I remembered I was dry heaving just because I was so sick from not knowing if I was moving or not. Where, so I get back up. Where, what part of the mountain were you on at this point? You know, where uh, you were even at? So, you know, I went up to halfway up the pearly gates. Yeah. Or three quarters up the pearly gates. I went down more towards the, um, lunch on our lunch table. Was like the saddle. Probably. I think that's saddle. Yeah, yep. hogs back. Yep, that's what I meant. Yep. yep. I think yeah, it was just above the hogs back there. And yeah, I mean, so I, have, I, you, to, for people that that have never been on hood, you should probably mm-hmm. look up a picture. And, it, and if this is on video, or if I do this as a reel, I'm gonna I'm gonna superimpose a picture onto this. But yeah, right there at the hogs back, you have you have three three killers. You have the bergschrund, which is a giant yeah. crevasse, and then on either side you have two femur rolls yeah. you could fall into. So if Smell you horrible. on either side of those, yep, yeah. you are going to be inside one of those. So basically what he's saying is he's strolling around blind right now with a crevasse yeah. and two femur rolls somewhere in the vicinity, almost like he's playing, almost like they're landmines at this point. Yeah, big time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was using my trekking pole as like a blind man stick. I mean, I truly, mm-hmm. I was just trying to hold it and I Oh, it just makes me nauseous thinking about it. You know, that anticipation that you're about to fall, like you're on a, a roller coaster and it's about to drop or the big drop at six flags. Mm-hmm. You're just expecting a fall. You know, I'm like, I'm going to fall off a cliff. I'm going to fall off a cliff. I can't tell. But next thing I know, I'm, so I'm side slipping and all of a sudden I start, I feel the snow around me start to move. And I... Think, things kind of go black at this point where I start tomahawking and I, I whack my head. I was wearing a helmet, but I lost my, my whippet. I lost my ice axe. Mm. Um, like things, I mean, I would, I don't know how far I, I fell, but I fell enough where I was completely disoriented even more so. And I lost some of my gear, my, my safety gear. And I was running low on on water i was damn near out of water and i i had some protein bars and things left because again this is just supposed to be a john off the palmer this is not supposed to be some expedition to the summit and that's you know mistake number one is changing the plans you know from from the intended goal um so little i know that the fall line's taking me to the north side of the mountain 
and I'm just kind of just keep going. I think I thought I was going straight, but again, being so disoriented, it kept takes me in the north north side of the mountain, and I can't remember the spot where I ended up now. Um, Were they saying it was like Mississippi Head or something like that? Oh yeah, okay. It was above, yeah, below Mississippi Head or something. I think that's what they said, and it was termed as the the Hood Triangle, where a lot of people get lost in this area because of that fall line pushing everyone that way. And my my phone battery was running real low. Um, I had Strava running, of course. You know that was got to get the Strava point, man. You know, or it didn't happen. You know, but that was killing my phone battery. Um. And so then I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm making my way over these ridge lines, and it's heavy, thick snow. It's it's sleeting. It's going in in waves of blizzards. It's it's raining. It's doing everything. And I get over the next ridge. I'm like, okay, Timberline's got to be over the next one or the next one. I'm looking for any sort of landmark that I recognize. And again, I've been coming up here for years, and I don't recognize anything. And now it's getting to the point. It's like, okay, now it's three, three, four o'clock. Now it's like, okay, I'm supposed to be where I'm supposed to be at the lodge, and I'm not. And now I feel like I'm getting even more and more lost, and and I'm starting to eat the snow, which I'm not. I know I'm not supposed to do. I, I've been a firefighter EMT. I've been on the other side of rescues um, for a good majority of my adult life, so I, I kind of know the do's and don'ts. But then when you're in that panic mode things are very different you know i'm still trying to keep a cool head but in the back of my mind I'm like i don't know how i'm gonna get out of here and so i i look at my phone and i had one bar with two percent left in my phone it's like i well if i don't call now then this might be my last opportunity one bar with one bar with two percent left on his phone yeah so I, I make it out. I call 911. And at this point, I think it's like 5 30, 6 o'clock now. Um, and I get in touch with 911 dispatch and I say what, what the situation is. I'm lost on Mount Hood, you know, after, you know, attempting a solo summit. I got caught in this inversion, but this call is really quick because I'm like, look, I have this much stuff on my phone. I just need details. Like, I'm lost and I need help. Be ping my location type of deal. Um, and at that point, my friend had already initiated a rescue operation um, around that four o'clock, five o'clock time frame. And so things were already starting to move. You know, and being from the Midwest at the time, I was kind of naive thinking that, okay, they're just going to bring a couple snowmobiles over from Timberline. It's not going to be a big deal to come grab me. You know, this will be a, a story to tell at the bar, whatever. But I was like, well, I, got, I guess I got to hunker down. And I found this boulder and behind this boulder was this like little kind of cave, little cave type of deal. And I had used my Abbey shovel to dig a hole in it to kind of seek some shelter. Um, I had put my snowboard out as kind of um, to show rescue, like, hey, I, I need help. You know, I kind of put it in this very um, intentional position that they could see it and some other other things that they could notice. Um, so I start digging down. I went to go grab some sticks to attempt to start a fire, but everything was encased in rhyme, you know, and I had, I have tools for fire starting, but I just had some bladders and stuff and some wrappers and, and things that were just not igniting. 
you know, and I, I remember, and, and this was the biggest PTSD, actual PTSD that I, I had from this, where I tried to start a fire for hours. I mean, hours to the point where I was screaming. I would go through points of, of literal insanity. I'm like, I don't know why this is not lighting, but everything was just encased in ice. And my thumb was raw, raw from, from this attempt. And at that point, I was like, I, I can't. All bets are off. You know, I, I really thought that that was, if I don't get this fire started, I'm going to die. And I couldn't get it started. And I was cold. I was wet. I mean, I was cold to the core. And I guess one thing I forgot to mention is that my, my dog was in the car in my truck um, he comes everywhere with me you know it was too deep for him to climb up and thank god he probably would have i would definitely would have summited if he was there with me but but i was sobbing thinking about my dog in the truck i mean dogs have an intuition knowing you know when their their person is in trouble or whatever vice versa i just i'm like i don't know what's happening with him and um and I left food and water for him, so I knew he was okay in that aspect. But I was sobbing, thinking about him, and I was envisioning holding him for warmth. Like I was really going went to that mental state of mind, just holding nothing but holding my dog. And um, next thing I know, I, I guess I just passed out. I, w- I remember shivering and seeing the sun go down, and that's when things got real. Um, I had to turn my phone off, um, obviously prior to this whole dig, I turned it back on just that one last percent because I thought that was it. I had, I, I, I had texted my mom, you know, saying, you know, that I loved her and, mm-hmm. you know, she got, she got a phone call from the rescue operation saying that her son was in trouble, you know, and, um, I knew that she was panicked and, you know, I, I just wanted to, hear, to know that. And, uh, that's the last thing I remember, um, just shivering to death. It was very peaceful. I'd say, um, when I came to the rescuers, I got there, um, it was about four in the morning or so. And they, I wasn't in that hole anymore. And this is from their perspective. I was 100 feet from the hole and I had taken off half my clothing. Um, and I was talking to somebody, they said, that I was just rambling, yelling, shouting, saying crazy stuff to somebody. And it was very eerie. I mean, I think about my father. I mean, I like to think that I was talking to him, that he was keeping me there but you know when you start taking your clothes off that's uh kind of one of the last things that you do before the bucket so they got me right in time and i remember this woman's voice and it was the most soothing voice i've ever heard and it was one of the rescuers and, and she had given me some tea from her pack and i remember that tea i mean i i felt every drop of it go down into my throat into my body because when you're that cold like cold to the core they couldn't even catch a pulse on me or anything like that like it was messed up um but i was i wasn't really coherent i 
They didn't know who I was, where I was. Um, and this is all secondhand. But you listen to the podcast on Portland Mountain Rescue. Um, I didn't I didn't know any of those things. And I thought it was Batchy Ski Patrol, actually. Something like that, who is coming to get me. And um, and after kind of hanging out there, they had a seek shelter. They got a second team in there to help bring me out because they thought I was ambulatory. They thought that I could snowshoe out, but I, I was pretty far gone. <laughs> I think I had pissed and shit myself and all that. <laughs> um, and uh, they had carried me 14 miles to safety. I mean, these guys lost toenails. I mean, they carried me in a Stokes basket. You know, I eventually, as I started coming to and um, realized how big of an operation this was and involved multiple teams, multiple municipalities. No, we're not editing that one out. We're keeping that one in. Municipalities. There we go. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, it's that dang Wisconsin school system. I tell yeah. you what, I can't pronounce it either. So. <laughs> But yeah, they um, they had you know carried me to safety, and uh, I was taken by ambulance to Mount Hood Medical, and a whole day had passed. I hadn't even realized that a whole day had passed, and um, I remember flipping through the channels and then seeing my picture on the news. I'm like, wow, this was a way bigger deal than I thought it was. You know, like a, 24 hours had passed, more than 24 hours had passed at this point. And, um, and I was a missing person, you know, on Mount Hood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm very grateful for those people. I mean, I owe them my life. Um, to make a long story short, you know, when, when, uh, rescue or when the police got the sheriff got into my vehicle um nitro had jumped out of the vehicle and he went straight to the climbers trail he knew the exact last place where i was and you know that dog would have found me he would have been half dead but he would have found me mm. you know um, i i believe that but little did i know that there was these folks in the parking lot who were camping there over the weekend and they were feeding him treats through the window and they're like this this guy left these windows open it's nighttime now i where is he going you know so they actually looked after him um once the sheriff got him out and uh i'm still friends with these guys this day brad Dina. um and i was so fortunate that they took care of my best i was so fortunate for that yeah, yeah. because as you were up there you were never, you weren't only just think about yourself you were also feeling guilty about your dog being in the parking lot and yeah and having to yep. go through that and not knowing what's happening and right and, and, and think about my mom too and, and you know i had broke my neck um my c2 of all things you know about six years prior to that and i was begging the nurse not to call my mom at that point and i remember just i can only imagine what that call from the sheriff saying that your son is missing on Mount Hood, what that must have done to her at that hour of the night. And, you know, Wisconsin is two hours back and, or th three hours back from us. One, yeah, two hours. Two hours. Two hours. Four, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yep. um, so but, it's uh, super late, basically. 
super super late yeah and uh i can only imagine the word that she she had so yeah wow that is one heck of a story yeah i mean it made made it a short one but you know there's a lot of details that kind of get get smoothed over as time goes on and you're like i I don't really remember things how i used to it's kind of weird how that well i gotta say man you are a heck of a storyteller i loved the details that you put in there giving the context of where you were at the things on mount hood what you were seeing what was around you grade a you you touched on the mount hood triangle which is something yeah that essentially the number one i'll touch on a couple things is the weather and dude it was was so interesting because a couple months ago i was on hood and it was a bluebird day just like that i had actually went up past palmer and i kind of rode some of those canyons off to it would be skiers left coming down yep kind of next to white river and I, I came back down and it was still the afternoon and i picked haley up down lower on the mountain and i was like hey she's never seen mount hood and i was like hey like it's a bluebird day like it's freaking amazing like you're gonna see the mountain we get up there about an hour later completely whited out up there yeah like yeah. like it was never right and so that experience happened to you when you were way up there and yeah. that ping pong ball is such an accurate description because anytime anybody's ever I, I was in it very briefly on Mount Adams and I could not oh, figure out it. where I was. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and it was, and it just comes in quick, but then it, yeah. usually it, sometimes it'll leave quick. And I'm sure that's what you were hoping. It's like, Oh my God, yeah. I hope this leaves, but it didn't. And so, yeah, that's one of the things If anybody's going up to hood. One thing I remember reading was magnetic stout is where you want to get to because otherwise, just like Nick was talking about, you end up in like Mississippi head and all those cliffs. And now mm-hmm. you're way down because a lot of people, I think they, they follow the fall line or something. Right. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. that takes them totally the wrong way. So yeah. yeah, if you're ever up there, it's magnetic South, I guess is, is a good thing. Good rule of thumb to follow. But yeah. dude, that's the thing about hood is, is you feel like Timberline is right there. I, I, we yeah. just, the other day when we summited, we got down to the parking lot and there was some people from the mid, there was a guy from like yeah. Iowa there. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, what did you do? And I was like, Oh yeah, we just climbed to the top and like rode down. And he's like, Oh yeah, it doesn't even look that far away. Would it take you like, like <laughs> 10 hours? minutes to get down? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, 10 minutes to get down, dude. I've been going for like 45, man. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. It, so, a lot of it, yeah. It, it looks like it's right there. I think that's one of the things yeah. with hood, but like Shasta yeah exactly so i want to know how has this experience impacted your view of outdoor activities and just in general like has it influenced things now going forward what would you know and what did you take from it it is at the time you know i had so i lost my job at the hospital um you know i was going through the breakup and so i was in a bad rough spot so i was climbing these mountains to kind of find lack of a better word find myself right and you kind of find yourself in those darkest moments i am so thankful for this experience because it is giving me a hyper awareness of of um you, you're not in <laughs> that the mountain de- demands it commands respect and and i, I 
but like I said, I was naive. You know, I, I was like, I've done all these other mountains before. I can do this one. This is not a big deal. You know, so many people do Mount Hood. How many people do South Sister? You know, it's it's just a, a hop, skip it away. And it's so accessible. And that's the thing that's so dangerous about it is that it is so accessible, but there are so many things that can go wrong. You know, it has given me... Um, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Shoot. Mine just kind of goes blank sometimes. You get so excited <laughs> that it just kind of like <laughs> well, yeah. goes away. It goes away. Um, but it, it has given me experience and it's given me the experience to tell other people about it. And like I said, if, if one person learns from this, then it was all worth it, you know? And I love Mount Hood. It's, there's always been a, a calling, a drawing to it. Um, there's It's part of that energy vortex mm -hmm. with Shasta and Crater Lake and and Mount Thielson and and those types of mountains. There's just something so special about it, and I have even more intimate relationship with it now. And mm -hmm. to make the story complete, one year, well, close to a year, in April, the following year, I got to climb it with the people who saved my life. Oh, nice. it was one of the most beautiful. I had tears in my eyes almost the entire way up. And to make this even more of a serendipitous story is that we were on the hog's back. We had stopped. They were doing some um, uh, some tests on the, that fume roll there or that Brooks run. They're kind of just testing the sulfur levels and things like that. And all of a sudden, I hear a familiar voice. And it was Brad. It was Brad, the guy from the parking lot who had saved Nature's life where I had looked after him that night. And of all the places that he could be, he was <laughs> on Mount Hood this the same day at the same time as my redemption. I mean, I I have goosebumps. Yeah. I can't tell you how amazing that felt. I mean, I burst into tears. I and when we all climbed up and we made it to that summit, it was the most visceral scream i've ever oh i i could tear up about it it was it was really amazing and that's really the stars aligning you know so <laughs> so it really did come full circle is what you're saying it really like, did literally yeah. like serendipitously came full circle not only were you climbing with people that saved you, but also the person that saved your dog was coming down or going up at the same time, whichever way. At the going. same time. And Mount, it's a big place, and there's a lot of activities you could be doing, and it was not planned whatsoever. And to link up like that was the coolest thing. Oh, man. <laughs> well, yeah. dude, that's, and yeah, that's why I had you on the podcast. I, you're a great storyteller with this stuff and the way that you can take something that could be so negative like that or could be so negative like that for, for somebody. But I mean, you know, I guarantee there's plenty of people that have gone through a similar experience maybe, and they just have never returned back to the mountains. Right. And well, you now, I uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interject there, but I remember what I was going to say um, that I was having some survivor's guilt afterwards that why did i survive in maybe lesser circumstances than somebody else who did it you know and it's just like why i mean truly it, 
if they were came an hour later, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. I mean, truly, it was that close. And and I was just and if someone from the rescue team would have gotten hurt saving me, I don't know if I could live with myself with yeah. that. Like I would have really but that's why they call it an accident. And I remember reading the um the online news stories and everything and reading the comments section and people just being awful armchair warriors saying, you know, this idiot, what, what the hell is he doing? It's during oh, yeah. COVID time too. So like there was that aspect of the whole, whole thing. Like, oh, you shouldn't be doing anything, you know? And so that, that really got me down. And anyway, I didn't mean to, to cut you yeah. out there. Bro, I've experienced the same thing. What? with what happened to me the other day on and I yeah I want to hear your your story well I just you know and I I told that to my fiance when I got back basically what happened was I was getting hit by some ice I let go of both my ice axes started sliding literally just sliding down old shoot towards that Mm -hmm. fumarole and somehow I self-arrested with my crampons yeah like 25 feet after falling 25 feet and you know, if the, if the conditions weren't good and if the snow wasn't soft and if I didn't think to do that, like I would have been in the, yeah. in this fumarole pit. I, I mean, <laughs> and oh, so that was the thing, go. man. Yeah. And, and like, that was the thing. And I was, I was like, why, you know, why did you talk about, there's been other people in similar positions. Don't make it out alive. I think, yeah, for every death that occurs, for something like that, there's probably like 10 close calls that you don't hear oh, yeah. about, right? Yeah. So if you hear about the three deaths, four deaths a year on hood, you don't yeah. hear about the 50 close calls that happen. And so you only go by based on the, the death count. Yeah. And, and some people are too proud accurate. to talk about it too. Exactly. And that was one of the things I had in, in my notes is like, I know that this is like super hard to relive, would be super hard for people's, like it was hard for me to talk about, you know, like, on this adventure and I freaking mm-hmm. let go of both my ice axes. But when I talked to my buddy, whose also name is Nick, because I just mm-hmm. know so many. Yeah. <laughs> this is Nick. <laughs> I love it. And, but he said, you know, I think it happened to you for a reason because you can now inspire, a, like you have a large audience, you can inspire that audience mm-hmm. and now you're going to save a lot more lives. And I was like, yeah. dang, like I didn't really think about that. Right. And so that's why I definitely wanted to, to get you on and share your story, which is way more serious than mine. And again, have people learn from it and have even more positive kind of vibes come from that. Because, and I think that that, maybe I'm wrong, but it's helped me with my survivor's guilt a little bit anyway. Totally, yeah. Well, and I think the dialogue needs to be, you know, I come from a the, you know, the fire service and I was in an organization for a while where you were made to feel stupid if you were to ask questions, and I remember being a 19 year old firefighter, just went through uh, school, you know, went through EMT, went through firefighter one, all those things. And, and like, things are still so new and, and things right. that were simple to other people were, were not always coming as easy, you know, and I, and you were made to feel so stupid. So then I stopped asking questions. And then I realized I'm like, you could die. You can die by just not realizing something maybe so minuscule and that dialogue just needs to change and it's it's okay to be humbled we're all human dude and we all 
make mistakes and that's why they call it accidents it even happens to the best i mean how many professional mountaineers you know have yeah. passed and so it's um it's important to talk about yeah it is and yes and again that's why i love having you on this podcast you're a super humble dude being willing to willing to talk about this stuff and going back to the question thing Dude, I just experienced this today. Like I'm working with a dude on this, like one of his, his businesses, I'm helping him out. And it's like, I am starting to become responsible with some of these things. And I feel so stupid asking all these questions, yeah. but I don't want to screw something up. You want to screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And I literally had this self-talk in my head. I was like, okay, I cannot, maybe I just don't ask the question and then I do it anyway. But then what if I screw it up? So I'm yeah, just going right. back and forth and it just, and it doesn't make it fun. Right. Like I'm sure right. like when you were doing, going through your firefighter EMT, that type of stuff, it's just like full time you're, you're like on edge. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I remember not ever being able to sleep cause I'm just so have so much anxiety. I got, I got uh, shingles at 18, man, because I was so stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Don't get shingles, yeah. people. Just ask the questions, right? Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. so I guess my, my final question for you would be, what, would, what do you want people overall to take away from your experience? Like, one or two yeah. things maybe that they could take with them on their next adventure, their next journey, something yeah. like that. Actually, and one before, actually, actually, I want to hear what you say first, because I, yeah, I have sure. an addition to one that I think might be if you don't cover it, but I think you probably sure. will. Sure. Um, one big thing, you know, I don't care if you're going for a six mile hike, a four mile hike, you know, a little jaunt through, through the woods and it's not a big deal. You know, we live in the high desert, or at least I live in the high desert in Bend, where, you know, an 80-degree day in the summertime can turn into a 40-degree night. Always assume that you're going to be spending the night, even if it's a, you know, a normal hike. I was telling this to my mountain bike kids that I coach. Like, you know, you could be the 12-year-old kid that saves your dad or your family, you know, who breaks a femur and can't get out, and you could be at Phil's Trail. You know, it could be something very, very simple like that. You know, having, you know, your five essentials. There's a six, five essentials. But having a fire starting kit, like I always have fire starting kit. And even if you um, cut up old um, bike tubes, those are great accelerants um, that you could have mm -hmm. for a fire. And even having those trick candles with you. Because think about a trick candle. I mean, you blow it and then it comes back and it keeps coming. And when it's real windy like that, it's real good to have. Um, so I've, I've added a couple of those things to my pack. Um, always have more water than you need, more food. Yeah, you add a bunch of extra weight, but, you know, that weight could save your life. And if not yours, somebody else's. Because you can come up on someone else. It happened on South Sister where I was coming down and someone had hit mm -hmm. a tree that had broke their, their finger. You know, so you're using stuff from your pack and fixing their snowboard, doing things like that. So you never know who else mm -hmm. you're going to come across. That's a really good point. Yeah. So maybe the extra stuff isn't even for you that you maybe necessarily right. need it. Maybe you can help save somebody else's life. I love totally. that. Love yeah. that. Yeah. And, you know, something that you said too was earlier in the conversation was 
you switched the plan. Yeah. Like yeah. you had, you would, you'd pack your kit for a Palmer, which mm-hmm. if anybody is familiar with this area, Palmer is, there's a lot of people around. There's in lift right there. There's groomers. If you want to ride down it, like it's, you know, it's like a 2000 foot split board up and then you go down and you're back to your car. Super yeah. well-marked chill day. Yeah. Well-marked. Like you're not, I mean, you definitely could still get whited out up there. Totally. You know, yeah. but, but for the most part, like you're going to be, you're not going to fall into a crevasse or a cliff or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it was super important what you said, which was you were prepared for one thing and then you ended up, you went up and you did something that, like you pushed it further. Yeah. Right. And you just yep. didn't have a kit for it. Yeah. Really. Right. You know? Or just that, the fore, foresight to kind of realize what I was doing either, you know? Yeah. yeah. I love it. I just did an episode on the, yeah, on the 10 essentials with a mountain guide. Boy, he blew my mind actually. Yeah. (laughs) He blew my mind with some of the stuff that he's carrying. He actually, actually have them right. Check this out. I just ordered these right now. So basically what they are, are like little roll up glasses in case you forget your glasses. Like say you're on a glacier climb or Or something like that. Fly off or something. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like these little lightweight little things that just wrap around your face basically. That would like totally suck to use, but it's like way better than snow blindness. Yeah. So I ordered those in you know and Which happens a lot on hood. Yeah. And talking about the the fire starters, right? Like I had that experience on a CT where I was getting hypothermic and I'm trying to, I can't even, people don't understand like how your fingers do not work when you're cold. Like I couldn't even unbutton, like I had a long sleeve shirt on, but I had it rolled up and buttoned Mm -hmm. and I tried to roll it. I couldn't undo the button, dude. Could not, I could blow my, couldn't do it. And I can't imagine trying to flick a lighter. Yeah. Man, and for a while, I mean, Afterwards, months afterwards, you know, my hands and my body, my limbs were still had had sensation issues. Um, but the flick of the lighter got to me every time. Like it would just bring me right back to that hole, being that dark place. And and I can't tell you how many times I woke up. I woke up choking on snow. I you know, I woke up just in a panic, not being able to get that fire started. And one other thing that happened furthermore is um you know i was just with a couple friends and we're having a bonfire and i was getting the fire going and i it wasn't working and they kind of started giving me shit a little bit just kind of like poking fun inside i was having a full-fledged meltdown i had to excuse myself and walk away because i I panicked. I was in full panic mode. I'm like, I, I can't get this fire started. Why can't I get this fire started? Oh my God. Like, mm-hmm. it's real, man. And I, it, again, it brought tears in my eyes. Yeah. You know, but it took just a, a warm, welcoming environment to kind of bring me back. And it takes time. It, it took a full year to really process the event and talk about it and to, I mean, the night terrors have stopped, but it was a good, they were very consistent for a long time. Yeah. And I w- did talk to somebody afterwards, but it was during COVID. It was spotty, like Zoom calls that would drop all the time. And I was living in a tiny home at the time and it was very isolated. So my coping mechanisms were, you know, just 
more outdoor activities. And one of the cool things that happened from that event, though, too, is he, the uh, Pierce from Portland Mountain Rescue had called me a week or two afterwards and just he wasn't asking how I was doing physically. He was asking how I was doing mentally, big. which I think was really, really big. And, and to have the guy who just saved your life, your hero, call you. I was trying not to fanboy out, but um, it it just meant so much to me. And I mean, and he told me he's like, I I wish he wouldn't have told me, but he said there was three times on that mission where I was about to call it. We weren't going to continue because the conditions were so gnarly, and and they had to ski. So they they had taken the a cat up to the top of Palmer and then had skied down. And I mean, it was sheer ice at some at one point. I mean, it was at it was dark. Yeah. It was just insane conditions. So, yeah, yeah. So having that person to almost debrief it with that was in the situation that actually helped you out of it. Yeah, yeah. It had to be very helpful for you. And, and continuously um, checked in on me every every couple of weeks and months and things yeah. like that. And I do remember. So I, I took about a month off and. There's still a ton of snow on Bachelor, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna slipboard up Batch and whatnot. And the weather had turned again. It it smelled the same, it felt the same, and I had to stop. I put my my head into my arms. I kind of just went down in the fetal position for a second, and I kind of had this whole. <sighs> I don't know, coming to and just had to really talk to myself saying, you live for this. You love this. I don't want to be afraid of the thing I love the most. That was so important to to get through that moment. Mm. It's like, you know what you're doing. You know, you know what you're doing. You know where you are. And it was my friend's dog, actually. I, I had known that he was climbing and it was actually kind of cool. It, the first, first dog I ever had, her name was Daisy. His dog's name was Daisy, but she, I'm, I'm down in here like this, and all of a sudden, I, I nose just slides right into my <laughs> my face there, and this dog is checking in, seeing if I was all no right. No way! Dude. And it was it was so cool. Then I hear dog say, "I'm like, no freaking way!" Like again, another serendipitous life is crazy type of type of moment, you know. But we there's made a lot it. of good. Yeah, there's a lot of good that can come with it, but there. I, I like that you touched on like the res the residual tra- trauma traumatization essentially is what it was that yeah. still lingers with you and a good way to or something that really helped you was the that number one that's a plus service by them to check in out with you not only totally. after the event but weeks after that's yeah. huge that's huge man because. There was, there was someone, oh yeah, I was talking to some other person and he had a traumatic event and same thing happened, similar thing happened mm-hmm. and he had no check-ins and it was a completely different situation uh, to the point, it was a completely different outcome of the situation, I guess, in his mind, mentally. Yeah. Like he felt yeah. very much abandoned by the people. Yeah. 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 Well, and so Portland Mountain Rescue, they have a whole series in which my story was on. It's on Rescue Radio. Um, but they had a, um, a whole thing on 
mental health in the backcountry, mental health in, in the things that we love to do. And they touched on something called the Eustace and where you could be in a climbing accident and somebody says, I used to be a climber. I used to do this until this happened or I broke this or whatever. And it's, it's so heartbreaking sometimes, like someone who's so passionate about something and, and it, their whole identity is around this one thing and then they stop doing it and it changes them, you know, and to be able to overcome and to fight through um, and to work through those feelings. That's why I love mountaineering because you immerse yourself oh, yeah. in, with your thoughts, with, oh, with yeah. the environment. And then when you're by yourself, I mean, it's very loud and up there and to really address <laughs> those things, um, you know, and, and Dress them in a healthy manner, though, too, is, is very important. So, dude, that's gold. I, I've always said that there, I have never had louder self talk than when I'm, than when I'm cl- like rock climbing. Yeah. I mean, like my self talk has never been loud and it's not always positive. Right. It's you, but you have to get over that panic and stuff. But it, but you're right. It's like you are the only person up there. You're super high. Yeah. Your belayer's way below you. Yeah. And you're just like having these combos in your head. And you're just, it's so intense, dude. It's so yeah. intense. Yeah. And I think those thoughts are so pure though, too. And it's something that yeah. not everyone I feel gets to feel and, and get to um, really immerse themselves in, or maybe they're afraid of it, but I really think that's a, a good way of addressing whatever is going on, you know, and to kind of face it head on. Dude. Yeah. I love how introspective you are. Maybe that maybe that's going to sound something. Yeah, yeah I, feel, I don't I know. Like I'm kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Well, dude, I appreciate you. you appreciate you, man. Well, you did a great job storytelling. <laughs> I know that's super hard to recount, but I really do think that you know you're going to save a lot of people's lives with this, you know, or at least one. So I love that. And for anybody listening, please give a follow. Leave some five stars and on YouTube, please subscribe and hit that like button. How can they find you by the way? I'm uh, the end is NAR on Instagram. Yes. And if they want to check out Portland Mountain rescue on uh, Apple podcasts or anywhere you find podcasts, um, rescue radio. My, my episode was the Memorial day rescue. It's the first I'll, one. I'll put a link in the show notes. And yeah, so that's, because when I listened to it, it was right. They had somebody, they had a rescuer on there yeah. talking with you mm-hmm. with the host too. So it was just kind of this three people in one conversation. And it was really interesting to hear their point of view with this. Totally. Well, next. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.